Welcome back to the podcast. On this episode, we talk about value and NFTs. Let's go. Happy Thursday. Good morning. All right. I've just checked episode number eight is what we are recording here today. That's right. That's pretty good. I heard Jack, Jack Butcher and those guys, I think it was, it wasn't yesterday's episode, but I think it was last week where they were talking about, you know, after you get to a certain number of podcasts that you post, you're in like the top, <laughs> top 1%, top 0.01%. I think it was after 21 episodes or something like that. So anyways, we're making our way. Yeah. Consistency goes a long way. So it is we'll the see. toughest part. It really is. So yeah. What's that? What's that one meme where it's like one to the zero is zero is one or something, but then like one to the, or 1.1 to the 300 or no, sorry, I'm doing this all wrong. It's like, 1.1 to the zeroth power is like mm. one. and then 1.1 to the 365 is like much bigger than number right mm. the yeah point is, the point is consistency yeah yeah and some compounding yeah and gain some momentum um for sure well very cool let's uh you want to give a quick or i can give a quick overview of what what i think we're going to talk about uh today sure um so we're going to start out today and just kind of finish up the conversation that we had last week um, with just the founder's dilemma and kind of talking through some closing thoughts on those last uh, or those three different categories that we're seeing um, develop in the um, in the whole this old new technology of cryptocurrency between Bitcoin and some other layers and then some non blockchain technologies as well. And then from there, we thought it might be appropriate to uh, also uh, talk a, a little bit about NFTs, um, mostly because they've lost quite a bit of the of just the momentum, and uh, we kind of just want to talk about what the maturity might look like and what is the future. So yeah, and then we'll we'll finish up and let you guys let you guys go and think about these things on your own. So let's start it off, Kendall. What, what are some of your thoughts that you wanted to make sure you got across before we close out um, those thoughts on your on your article that you put out? Okay, so yeah, I want to talk more about what we talked about last week, um, mostly because I don't I don't think that I'm doing doing the framing justice. It's it's like quite a difficult thing to convey. So in my defense, it's difficult, but, um, but I do feel like I'm not, not doing a great job. I, I also want to say like, to, like I, I would like to approach this. It's, it's most um, useful to approach this, not thinking about like market valuations. That, that's like a, that's a thing that inherently is everywhere. But if you, if you set aside like what the dollar amount of these things are and just look at them objectively, I think that that's, it's a useful um, <clears throat> experience to go through. So, okay. So I talked about, um, there's like three buckets of technologies that I see 
there's like Bitcoin, there's financial blockchains, and then there are non-blockchains. Um, that's one thing, but I, I actually want to focus more on like where is this like fundamental question? If you, if, if you're trying to be an investor, if you're trying to invest, or if you're trying to just grow your wealth, maybe even just through savings, maybe you're not even trying to invest it. Um, you, you, you're, you're confronted with this undeniable question or like unavoidable question that, which is like, wh- what is value? Like, where does value come from? How can we describe what value is? And what's interesting about crypto as a tangential is that crypto just hypercharges everything. Like, what do they say? Like a month spending crypto is like a year and everything else, right? So everything, yeah. it just hypercharges everything. So I think that that's, I think that's really amazing. And what I've come to realize is there's sort of two, two types of value. The first value is belief value. The second value is utility value. Now, belief is the interesting one. Um, and I'm going to come back to that. Utility value is, is like, I need something in my life, whether or not that's a need or a want. Uh, sorry, I, you know, I, I need to um, spend some of my value in exchange for something else, whether, whether that's a need, like a roof over my head, water, food, um, electricity, or if it's a want, it can also be like entertainment. Um, you know, these yeah, it things. solves a problem. Yeah, it solves a problem in your life. The utility side. You're forking. Yeah, exactly. You're forking over some of your value that you have accrued in exchange yeah. for 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 some problem that needs solving. Exactly. Um, and so, utility is difficult. Like it's sort of like the utility is the, is the, is the, is the side of the coin that is like um, vulnerable to like cynical perspectives, right? Because you can, you can say that like, um, like ultimately utility is a race to the bottom is what I'm trying to say, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. because like the cheapest solution is always going to win. Like, and we're strictly thinking about the the perspective of utility. Uti- when you're when you're when you're assessing utility value, you have no opinions on anything about the world. You don't have an opinion on whether Bitcoin is more decentralized than Ethereum, or you don't have an opinion on if um, e- even if you're saying like I don't even have an opinion on I think that this water is better than that water, right? Um, there is no belief attached to utility. You're strictly looking for the optimal um, solution to your problem, right? And, to, and, and typically in, when you're judging, um, you know, like the financial angle of that, what that, what that equates to is like, you're just looking for the cheapest solution because you, you want to you save as much of your wealth as, you've, as you have and just only fork over as little as possible to solve a specific problem. Yeah, no, that's not, I mean, 
I was just, I've been re-listening to uh, breed love and sailors conversation. And they were talking about like, we, our human nature just tends toward efficiency. I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Like pretty much getting the most by spending the least, um, kind of idea. Totally. Yeah. And it's like, and that's where human ingenuity comes in, right? That, that's actually where like, uh, Kathy Woods, Ark Invest, that's like their thesis, which is this disinflationary thesis, which is that, you know, really through technology on the broad, on broad scales, technology is massively disinflationary because you're applying human ingenuity to, to, to create more efficient solutions, right? Which basically equates to cheaper solutions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the utility, I mean, the utility of money serves several different purposes, right? It's store value, it's medium medium of exchange and unit of account, right? Um, would you agree with that? Like uh, on the utility side, when you're strictly talking about money, not necessarily just, or not necessarily investments or derivatives or things like that? Yeah, okay. true. That's like the objective. That's like the objective analysis of money, the utility of money, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's where I see kind of like, your first bucket, Bitcoin, that's like the money and everything else is built on top of that as either something that is trying to hedge against some kind of risk or provide some other kind of value. Um, that might be bucket number two. And then bucket number three is a wild card. You know, it could even incorporate identity or some type of communication or potentially even I mean, I'd be curious once we get to the NFT stuff, like whether it belongs in bucket two or bucket three, um, you know, does, does this stuff actually have to be on a blockchain um, or not? But um, yeah, let's, well, let's also talk about the, the belief value. Cause I okay. mean, cause we're like the utility sets the stage, <clears throat> right? When, once something starts to solve a problem for people, then, then there's like, okay, I understand it. But then it almost has to turn into a meme. And that's kind of where, where I feel like we are with Bitcoin specifically is, okay, to a growing number of people, Bitcoin has utility. It solves several problems from censorship to, you know, it doesn't, there's a, there's a fixed supply, all this kind of stuff. But then it turns into, okay, well, now we have to gain believers, right? You have to go out and become evangelicals almost of of the cause. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that is all about belief. That is, um, you know, that is getting people to, I mean, just from like a religious standpoint, right. It's like you are, you're trying to convince people to essentially lay down their life for the cause, um, figuratively or, or in other parts of history, it's been, um, literally, but, and that involves a lot of like conversation and how do you message and really it all comes down to memes. <laughs> um, literally I thought, I thought about this, uh, just quick, this is a quick tangent. Yeah. I don't know if you remember those fish. Do you remember those like metal fish that were, that were on people's cars that kind of like symbolized yeah, the like, Jesus hey, I'm fish? a Christian. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I literally was thinking about that the other day. I was like, that's probably one of my earliest memories of a meme of a meme because yeah, because that essentially symbolized if you saw a car drive by and you knew what that meant you're like oh that's that's a someone who claims to be a christian <laughs> you know um 
And so, and it's just like, and it's the same way you see the check mark on Twitter. Oh, that's a person who, who's important. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so those, yeah. Anyways, that's just like a quick tangent, but yeah, the meme side and how, how you communicate the, the utility and grow the belief that's, I feel like that's kind of where we're at right now. Okay. Yes. So I want to take, I want to first approach this through, through like the, through crypto um, and, uh, and I, want, I actually want to think about the blockchains. There's basically three generations of blockchains. The first generation is Bitcoin. The second generation is Ethereum. And the third generation is um, Solana, Avalanche, Luna, or Terra, whatever. It's like the alt layer ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting about this progression, this like evolution over time is that um, the the like the further we go along this evolution, the more the narrative has become about capturing utility, like solving utility, right? And uh, so, like with with Solana, like you like the whole the whole value prop of Solana or Avalanche over Ethereum is cheaper fees. And so it's more, you get more utility out of it than, than Ethereum. Like develop, like, again, like when you're, when you're assessing this utility value, you're not casting any opinions on anything. Like you're just looking for the optimal solution. Mm-hmm. And um, like. Cheaper to- and more throughput. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Cheap, cheaper fees, higher bandwidth. Yeah. You, you have to seriously ask yourself, like, this is the thing that I think that people in Ethereum don't have, they like squirm whenever you ask them this, is like, well, how decentralized do you need to be to, to solve utility? And um, actually, I hate to pick on Ethereum so much, but they're just like, it, I, I'm sorry to do it, but they're just so primed for the picking on. <laughs> they're also the most like they've they've returned the most so you know they they can they can deal with it um but see ethereum is like this weird middle ground between like this belief type of value and this utility type of value but see they're they're they've had they have this problem of like some from day one the thing that set ethereum apart from bitcoin was its utility right and so like again you see this this evolution into and toward towards utility. Um, and so, yeah, but here, okay, let me say, let me say this too. Um, the thing about Ethereum that, that I have not really given enough credence to is that Ethereum has been widely adopted as a form of money in these like crypto crypto worlds right like we've talked about this before how eth is used as a unit of account for nfts right they're like that nft is worth half of an eth or whatever yeah um now what that tells me is that eth that see that that right there is a is a belief type of value it's not a utility type of value it's not that people are saying that that nft is worth this much utility in the ethereum network they are saying mm-hmm. that NFT is worth this much ETH, the money, 
Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. Like right now uh, I'm, I've got a contract with an NFT project and it's like, I priced that job in ETH. Um, and so, and they, and we took it on an annual basis and now they just, and then we just divided that by the number of months in the year. So every, every month now they're expected to send me a certain amount of ETH to my wallet. And, and that, that's, you know, that was written into the contract. That was the unit of account that was used. So if ETH goes to 10,000, then, you know, I'm a winner, they're a loser. And if, <laughs> you know, if ETH goes down, I'm the loser, they're the winner. Right. Um, and that's that, that's the volatility that you just have to deal with, but that right. it, it is really interesting. No, I, and I don't know if it's just because of the bubble that I find myself in where I just don't get as many Bitcoiners reaching out, needing, um, needing help with uh, tax type of stuff. Um, mostly, mostly because most Bitcoiners are just buying and holding and they're, and that's a very simple tax um, situation. Whereas, you know, the NFT, the Ethereum types, they're, they're creating art, they're making money, they're spending money. It's because um, there's more utility. So therefore they need, they need to find, they need to utilize you. Um, yeah. Yeah. In, in order to. That's interesting. Yeah. Because there's just more activity going on. There's more things. They're sending money this way for, you know, uh, another illustrator. They're sending money this way for uh, community manager, things like that, where it's like, it's turned into this business almost um, like an IP business is what I've seen most of them switch to now. Um, whereas Bitcoin is just slow, steady. It's, it's kind of boring, but it's, that's really, that's the best part about it. Um, and so there's not a ton of, so anyways, all that to say, I guess that's why I've not, the only time I've transacted with Bitcoin was when I needed help with something and the guy wanted me to pay him in Bitcoin for him to help me with Bitcoin related topics. And that's the only time I've ever sent money to someone sent Bitcoin um, to someone for that. But other than that, it's, it's, I'm just using it as a savings tool. So, yeah. So, so just to, just to tie a knot here, the, the thing, but the thing about Ethereum is you like the, the migration to Ethereum 2.0, I see as extremely bearish for Ethereum because they are, it's a, it's a narrative, like I'm talking about the narrative here, then it's a, it's a narrative violation of them going after Solana and Avalanche and, and doing so they are saying, we prefer the, the utility type of value to the belief type of value. And again, utility is ultimately a race to the bottom. And, um, you know, I think part of, part of the whole like delay, delaying of the merge or whatever, you know, I'm just like, this is my tinfoil hat theory <laughs> is that they want to have, they want to have the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission come out and dub Ethereum a commodity rather than a security because that's preferable for a ton of reasons I won't go into. But once they move to proof of stake, um, it's gonna, they're going to have a really difficult time proving themselves as a commodity. But, the, but then it's like, well, if they're a commodity first and then they move to proof of stake, then it's like, well, 
are they still a commodity? Probably so, because there's precedence there. But mm-hmm. um, so I, I just like there's a lot of politics involved in that. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so again, like the way I see it, there are two types of value. There's a belief value and utility value. value. And I'm going to go into the belief here in a minute. And then, so that's like the, the value assessment. And then like, you can think of it on a different dimension, assessing like the technology, like how do those values get, how do specific use cases get cast into the technology buckets? And like, where do you value them on the, on the value spectrum, right? So that's why you have, again, like the two, 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 types, of, <laughs> two types of value are belief in utility. And then the three types of technologies are Bitcoin, financial blockchains, and non-blockchain. Um, right. So, but I want to talk about the beliefs. So, man, the belief is where it gets really, really interesting. Uh, I don't, because, and I have a difficult time really comprehending it because I tend to think of things as very analytical and technical. So I can, I can assess value on the utility side fairly easily. The, see the belief type of value is like, you hear this a lot in crypto where it's like, you know, that only has value because people believe it has value (laughs) as if that's like some sort of like, like, um, they're like casting it. Yeah. Like it's a condemnation. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, people believe it has value and then it has, so it has value. Like you can, (laughs) like, you don't like, um. It's a matter of perspective on where you end up with that. I mean, it's the same thing with pick your favorite stock. It's the same thing with pick your favorite fiat currency. I mean, people have to believe in the cause in order for um, the idea to proliferate. So, yeah, but I remember at the very beginning, people would be like, it doesn't have any value. Like, it's just a bunch of people who believe it does. I'm like... And I, I didn't have a good answer for it at the beginning. I was like, yeah, I guess that is true. But then you, but then you like think more broadly and you're like, well, that's the whole world. Like that's where our whole world is just built up on trust of different institutions, different um, people, different monetary um, objects. So anyways, the but the, I was going to, I was probably going to bring up the whole kind of game theory of it, right. With the belief where, especially when you start talking about nation states and banks and all these different players, don't you feel like the belief for players that have to allocate lots and lots of value comes in um, when the game theory starts to play out and people, and they're like, Oh, wow, I have to get in now. Yeah. But see, so I think that that is a, a compelling argument. Like the argument you're making is that, um, you know, I have a strong belief that more people in the future will believe what I currently believe. And so therefore mm-hmm. it will be, it'll be um, more valuable in the future. However, that type of network effect cuts both ways too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, frankly, a lot of this, is predicated on the exchange ratio of these assets. Like people don't give give sufficient credence to um, people believe it has value because it's gone up in value. 
Like mm-hmm. because because number go up, it has value, and I believe that. Um, and I, I see that like there's there's a I again like I hate to be so so critical of Ethereum, but I see this in the Ethereum community that there is sort of this like blind blind ignorance that Ethereum will always go up, like number go up. And um, maybe it will, maybe it will. But my question is, what happens when it starts to not go up, right? And the belief will crumble beneath it. And then all of a sudden it's all about the utility value, but then, oh shoot, it's not as great of a utility value as Solana and Avalanche. And so now it's nothing. Right. So you see that that network effect of belief will cut both ways. It'll also cut to the downside. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's certainly true. Like when I because I follow quite a few Ethereum types on Twitter. And they've, you know, on the run up up to whatever it was, 4,700 or whatever, people people were excited, people were talking, all that kind of stuff. And now it is in a lot of corners of that. <laughs> Of that community it's crickets um especially with some of these nft projects because they're trying to figure out well where do we go from here there's a lot of excitement all at once but now it's fading right and this is the yeah in like it it, exactly it it cuts both ways It, it can cut to the downside as well um and let me actually the like Put yourself, okay, put yourself in Vitalik Buterin's shoes and you have this vision that one day the global financial system will run on the Ethereum network. If you understand what we just said, which is that a lot of the belief system is predicated on number go up, then it is in, it is within, within your, um, Sorry, I need to pause actually because we're going to run out of time on the Zoom meeting. All right, I'm going to try to jump back in here. We had to cut out a piece because of our Zoom meeting. Um, What I was saying is that, okay, place yourself in Vitalik Buterin's shoes. If you have this vision of one day the global financial system operating on the Ethereum network, and you also understand what we just talked about, which is like a lot of this belief type of value is predicated on number go up, then it is within your best interest for the number to continue to go up. Right. And so then you have to ask yourself, okay, well, how do we, how do I, um, like the co-founder of Ethereum make number go up? And there are some things you can do. I can name two of them. First off, you can implement EIP 1559, which burns, um, burns more ETH and basically it creates value back to the, to the ETH holders. They did that in August of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also, this is the one that people, I don't think like the, the normie doesn't understand is that you can implement proof of stake. Proof of stake is a fantastic way to manipulate the market. Um, now, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going out on a ledge here. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but with proof of stake, you can see a lot of the market dynamics are controlled by issuance, issuance of new, new coins. 
because if you issue new coins to people who don't believe in the system, they will sell them. And if you have an influx of, of uh, sale orders on the market, you know, number go down. Um, and so if you are proof of stake and you have, <clears throat> you are either a large shareholder or you are part of a group of people that are a large shareholder, which is the case with Ethereum and also is the case with basically everything else with Bitcoin, then you can, or then you can uh, control the new issuance and basically not sell the assets onto the market. This isn't really even new. Like this is something that even happens in equity markets. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about like whoever controls the issuance of the, of the thing will control the market. That's what's, that's what is so beautiful about Bitcoin and proof of work is that it decentralizes the minting of, of, of the issuance. Whereas proof of stake is inherently centralizing for the issuance. Um, I will note that of course, Ethereum is still proof of work. I think part of me believes that Ethereum is trying to um, prolong proof of their, their, their proof of work as their issuance algorithm for long enough to be decentralized enough, at least to get like narrative buy-in. Anyway, okay, I, I'm rambling. At this point, like I just, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I hate to be so, I'm just so concerned about Ethereum because I think that they have like all these blind spots and it's primarily predicated on number go up. Yeah. But yeah, let's go back to the belief system. Like, uh, cause this is big on NFTs, right? Like, yeah. Fun- fundamentally, let me put it this way. As a person who believes in long-term value of Bitcoin, I am like actually more, maybe I'm just like crazy for this. I'm actually more concerned with something like Dogecoin than I am with Ethereum. How about that? Mm-hmm. You yeah. see, be, because Dogecoin has that mimetic like narrative control. That's like their intent is to be strictly mimetic. Um, and that's what Bitcoin really is, right? Like Bitcoin is mostly mimetic. These NFTs, NFTs are strictly mimetic. Um, like yeah. that's, that's where the value comes from. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that it's tied that Elon is tied it so closely to his um, to his brand, you know, I mean, he's got ninety one million followers on Twitter, um, and dude is super active on there. And I mean, yeah, I, I'm not selling my Doge. I I have full disclosure. I hold some Dogecoin, and I'm not selling it. I will probably sell everything else other than Bitcoin and Doge. Um, but I will not sell that just because there's, there is just that opportunity. Like I don't believe in it as a money, but I believe in it as a meme. And um, I just think that, I just think Elon at this point is just out here having fun. And I think that he is probably going to incorporate something with Dogecoin on Twitter where you can tip in Doge and stuff like that. So um, but, and then I don't know if you saw yet. I think, I don't know if he took it down. I was looking at his Twitter feed. Oh yeah. Where he, where he tweeted yesterday, he said, I don't know. Seems kind of fungible. <laughs> and, <laughs> did you see yeah. that? Yeah. He changed his profile picture now, but, um, you know, there's, and obviously we're not, I don't think 
either of us would argue that that you know the the right click save that that's um legit or whatever i understand that um you can prove that you own something but mainly what i wanted to talk about is just that the it just it all seems to be fading i had i had lunch with someone who who works right now with uh with an nft project and he was just telling me that essentially if you are not pivoting from your mint to then creating ip that is interesting and like all you know twice three times a week you're engaging with your community and you're trying to come out with um, comic books or you're trying to come up with ways to do an an in-person meetup Um, you're trying to do twitter spaces pretty often if you're not doing that your whole your people just sell they there's there's only sellers of your NFTs and there's almost no buyers. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, even, even ones, I just saw one that, that sold out um, like two weeks ago, which was actually, you know, a little surprising because it's not a super hot market right now for, for new projects. Um, but then all of a sudden people will sell and you're, you're below your mint price um, as the floor, the floor price is below mint. And so pretty much everyone most everyone is um is at a loss uh, at least economically and then from there okay well now we've got to figure out obviously there is a value to creating stories and creating um animated type of characters and all that kind of stuff just look at disney right that's a huge company that has essentially done that without nfts and i think there might be something some kind of nft angle on a disney type of company um but yeah who who's going to come out like who's going to come out and be that right i just want to bring this up to you real quick so i've got this this is an axios um quick article just talking about the uh, value of nft sales and it says the good news for the nft industry and this was written um, this is came out early this month, May 2nd, 2022. The good news, people are still spending around $50 million per day on NFTs. The bad news is that in January of this year, that rate was about $100 million per day, according to nonfungible.com. Um, that, and that's just, I mean, that is a crazy drop, you know, and so anyways, all I'd say, it's, it's just a very interesting, I, I feel like there is a use case for NFTs. I mean, I feel it very strongly on the ticket side. I just, I can't, I can't, I can't see a world where NFTs do not play a huge role in taking out something like a Ticketmaster slash a StubHub. I just think that NFTs will absolutely obliterate that mark that those two companies um, in the coming years. But outside of that, I'm not, I don't know. Maybe I wanted to hear your thoughts on this. See if you had anything. Yeah. Well, so I hear the ticket, the ticket one a lot. Um, the, like, like, so the ticketing is a utility value, right? You are, you're creating, you're, you're assessing the valuation based on the utility of, of the thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the JPEG of a monkey is assessing the value of a of a belief system um 
so what's interesting about the ticket one is that like so let's judge the purpose of a blockchain is to have unfederated transactions so you can send a financial asset from alice to bob with no middleman and and it's immutable yeah right yeah correct yeah you can you can audit it in the, in the past um the, the 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 primary value add is it's peer to peer it's you can go directly to the person um but but you have to pay there's basically a cost to be paid in order to have that privilege and um in the case of like solana and avalanche that cost is like pretty negligible it's pretty small in the mm-hmm. case of like Ethereum layer two chains or whatever they are, it's also pretty small. Um, and so like, so yeah, like I could see a future where ticketing systems are built on Solana. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's not the most, it's not the cheapest solution. You see, it's a race to the bottom with utility, but then you have to ask yourself pragmatically like, well, Where's like the pragmatic bottom versus like the absolute bottom? See, the absolute bottom is you don't use a blockchain. You use like that bucket number three, which is like non-blockchain decentralized technology. Um, but I think this one still makes sense to me to be on a blockchain because at the end of the day, the blockchain allows people to transact with, like you said, with no third party. But then the fact that it's immutable means that no one can go back and say, Hey, I didn't actually, um, like I'm, I'm taking the ticket back or I'm taking this coin back, or I'm changing this transaction somehow to benefit me. Um, you know, you'd have to go back and undo the entire blockchain. It's my understanding. So again, I'll like, you don't actually need a blockchain for immutability either. Um, why? Cause, cause immutability, like just think about it in like, okay. Because this was this was his what was his name Darren Feinstein that this was a big like I never really thought about it like this where block he was saying blockchain is just another word for accounting ledger and yeah and the whole thing about blockchain is like the main one of the main uh, innovations was that for all for all the years going back you know I mean really a long long time people could manipulate the ledger to say whatever they wanted it to say Mm -hmm. and then they could pay off the people the auditors who were quote unquote a check on that and they could essentially say essentially communicate whatever they wanted through financial statements um, that are all just smaller ledgers and the immutability of not being able to go back and change the number or go back and change the address or the account um that's that's huge right certainly certainly but there are again you don't have to have a blockchain a blockchain is not required to have immutable data you can have systems that have immutable data at a higher degree than even some of these blockchains that aren't even blockchains okay um so i'm speaking on an absolute basis here and so like I'm not saying this is a likely outcome, but so there's something called IPFS, Interplanetary File System. 
most of web three, frankly, well, at least NFT web three is actually in IPFS, which is not a blockchain. It's just a distributed. Have you ever seen the show? Have you ever seen the show Silicon Valley on HBO? Oh, someone's told me I need to watch it, but I oh man, it. I know. Yeah, you should watch that show. But um, okay. in that show, they built something similar to IPFS. Basically, it's just like a distributed file system. And it's like you can run your own node and you're sort of adding. Here's the problem with data. Data is massive. And so like you can't have like a single node own all of the data. Like with, with Bitcoin, we keep the block size small and the throughput small because we want every node to have the full data set. That's a huge cost that Bitcoin pays in order to be maximally decentralized. With with Ethereum, with ETH2, they're actually implementing something called sharding. (laughs) And they try to to act like it's like not, it's not what I'm about to say, but it is, which is that they're basically- your pants. No, that's shark with a T. This oh. is shark with, with, a, <laughs> with a D. Um, okay. But but what they're doing is they're basically splitting that data up. And so like each node will not have the full data set. See, again, mm-hmm. this goes back to the inherent problem, which this is a technical problem, which is that in information theory and in information systems, their data is infinite. There's an infinite amount of data out there. And so if you want to make data immutable, what you need to do is just maximally replicate it across many different hardwares or many, many different like sets of hardware across the globe. Right. Yeah. And um, because then it's like, well, I could delete it. I could unplug this machine right here, but if it's also replicated in China, like I'd also have to go over to China and, and, and remove that. Um, So, so um, what IPFS does is it's like, it's just a distributed file system that is immutable like if you put something in ipfs you there is no delete command they don't make a delete command you can't delete data now you can unplug the machine and if it's if that's the only machine that has that piece of data then it's gone right but but the network inherently replicates it across many many machines and it does it for actually performance reasons but you just get this like side effect of like it's actually basically everywhere. Uh, you know, Breedlove actually talks about this with the Bible, right? So like the Bible, the reason why the Bible is de- like, you couldn't just destroy the Bible. There's no way to just be like, I no longer want the Bible on this planet because it's been replicated so many times that it's just, it's literally impossible to do, right? And so right. it's the same. It's, it's, even, the same. it's even like impossible to add in verses, or take away verses to change it yeah because it's been yeah yeah yeah. because even i actually heard about this through um some people who uh, like talking about it from a quran perspective in the muslim faith but yeah like the amount of people who literally have it stored in their brains (laughs) through memorization it's like you would literally have to take those people out you have to literally kill them yeah so (laughs) and then you would have to also destroy all of the digital files, all of the uh, physical files, it's, it's virtually impossible. Yeah. So this is what we, this is what we're talking about when we say immutable, see people really, it's just because these venture capitalists, they say blockchain, not Bitcoin, and they have a a penny to to be made, but they, they, Mm -hmm. they, they're like, Oh, in order to be immutable, you have to have a blockchain. Well, let me tell you something, honey, 
uh, that that's just not the truth. Like that's not the way that immutable data works now. Okay. I spoke about this all from an absolutist perspective. Pragmatically, there is this like narrative cultural shift that is highly predicated on the belief system, the belief type of value, which is mm-hmm. that we're all going to do this on a blockchain. Okay. If that's the case, fine. But then they're just going to have a bunch of blockchains that compete to the bottom. And they're basically, they're basically no different than IPFS at the end of the day. But at the end, like if it actually achieves the same outcome for a lower cost, which if it's um, if it's not on the blockchain, I assume they could probably make it even lower cost. Um, Correct. Then it would and then it would eventually win out anyways, assuming a free market. Yes. Thank you for bringing me back full circle. That was my original point, which is that a blockchain will always be inherently more expensive than a non-blockchain uh, solution specifically for this use case of something like ticketing. Yeah. I mean, could you still, this is my, the main utility I see is I just know enough starving artists, people who are doing, they're in bands, but they have to work at another job because it doesn't pay well. Could you still achieve the outcome of the artist issues, a hundred tickets per each location and then they also garner a five to ten percent royalty for each resale. Could you do that outside of a blockchain as well? Oh yeah. Oh, cer- certainly, certainly. Okay. Like, again, blockchain, the whole it all comes down to this one thing. Just one thing. It's really simple. The whole point of a blockchain is to be able to send something peer to peer without a middleman. And the reality of the situation is that is not that's a that's a that's the exception, not the rule in our society. Like, right. you know, trust people actually like, this is the thing that the Bitcoiners won't admit is that there's a value in trust. If you trust some, like if you trust a system, that trust in and of itself has value, right? And so in the, in the event of the ticketing system, like you're trusting some third party to update the ledger. Um, but in, in that trust, you're getting a much cheaper solution, right? So the, there's, a, there's a trade-off to be made. Um, Mm. yeah, it's interesting. So, okay. So Kendall, are you, would you consider yourself like bearish bullish on NFTs and then, and then tell me long-term short-term, uh, short-term bearish, long-term bullish. However, I will say that long-term bullish is more along the lines of like, it's less of this, like open sea, I'll trade you half an ETH. It's less of that and more of just like digital art. Like take a step back and just think about the abstract concept of digital art or digital mm-hmm. like digital ownership over some asset. Let's just, it doesn't have to be art even, just anything. I think that that long-term bullish, yeah. That, that ties in with the metaverse too, right? Because right. in the metaverse, you're going to have to have some sort of some sense of property rights. Right. I mean, yeah, when I go put the Oculus on and I'm, I'm sitting there playing poker or I'm like doing the, one of the workout things, I'm like, there will definitely be assets inside of this world that I want to, that I want to own and be able to prove that I own. Um, and I'm going to probably earn some type of currency from doing things on here that I can then go and spend and, and garner a house or whatever you want, you know, whatever it is, or membership to, um, to a virtual community where you literally are walking around in a room and you guys are all hanging out or whatever. Um, that's definitely one like huge utility that I see. 
Um, and I think you could even say it already played out um, with Fortnite, where in that, that exact same um, economy almost will just transfer into a more immersive game, where instead of like looking at a screen with a little like thing with on your hands, like you're just immersed and you're running around and you want this certain skin. Okay, you've got to go earn X amount of whatever in order to buy that. Or you can bring money, I guess, outside money and, and transfer it. Just like you come to a different country, right? You get to a different country, you have to take some of your money and transfer it into the local currency. I think it'll be the same thing where you transfer some of your money into the local metaverse currency, potentially, um, mm -hmm. that yeah. allows you to operate in that world. That's one piece. And then another huge piece is I think that a lot more of our physical world will depend on NFTs. Um, just because it's a, it's just going to be a much easier um, ledger system. I think, you know, if you're a part of a country club, why wouldn't you just go ahead and potentially put that on a blockchain or at least something that is um, more decentralized, more digital, um, where people can prove that they own something. Maybe it's a golf membership just by um, scanning a QR code. And then that's also where you transact for, um, you know, if you go buy a um, go buy a meal at the clubhouse, right? That just comes out of your wallet. That's integrated into with that NFT. Like that, to me, I I can kind of see that making sense. Um, Definitely. Like again, I'll say that the concept of like digital property rights. Well, we're so early with that. Like that's gonna that's gonna blow up. Again, I'll just say that like this is just the software. <clears throat> this is a software engineer in me, right? And I, I hate to to bring it out, but like you don't need a blockchain for basically all that. Like okay, yeah, but but it might. I got you, but but it might the, still play from out. The belief, just, yeah, yeah, because the, the cultural side. system, yeah. Like I don't, I can't. How, who knows, right? I have no idea. Yeah, definitely the three letters NFT are. I think they are solidified as this high or maybe not high value but it's but potentially valuable thing and See, right I think, now our people are like oh i want to find the next board api club so that i can be i can be a multimillionaire like them and have a cool little picture on twitter <laughs> yeah this is the problem with like mislabeling things is that see now people associate nfts with a monkey on a blockchain but it's like well yeah, but you've actually just like restricted your overall the the possibilities of using that term, right? NFT non-fungible token. But mm -hmm. anyway. Where do you see? Okay, so right now we are literally in this moment creating content that will then be sent out. Um on for this as pod as a podcast, which is the one of the most decentralized um content uh networks, I guess is what you call it. Where do you see content creators and just content generally going do you think that that potentially exists on an nft type of uh platform or do you think that that fits better into and i'm mostly talking about from a monetization standpoint um you know you can sell art and really that is just a digital image that you consume with your eyes but you can also sell a podcast which is just digital audio that you listen to with your ears 
Um, do you see that? Do you see any crossover where people are making NFTs out of music, videos, podcasts, on top of all you know the JPEG movement that we've already seen? Def- so definitely a stronger sense of ownership. Um, that like I have this like I can Oftentimes I feel like I'm living in the future and like I'm trying to explain backwards to people like here's here's what <laughs> the way it works. Like, um, you gotta quit talking to normies. The no no, no this is <laughs> I'm just kidding. I gotta be able to convey the message. If I can't convey the message, <laughs> it's not worth yeah. it's not worth anything. <laughs> um, but like I think that the. I think you should set aside this whole NFT blockchain stuff for this conversation. Cause like okay. in, the, in the future, the, well, I think what people also don't think about often is that people get smarter. Like they get like uh, the, the people like 20 years ago, people were on television, you know, joking about electronic mail. Oh, what's this electronic mail thing? I don't understand what it is. And like right now, I think that a lot of that, that confusion, that ignorance, for lack of a better term, of the technicals is being bundled up and stuffed in the normie's face as NFT on blockchain. And like, Mm. because that's something that they can currently comprehend. But a decade from now, I think that people will be smarter. And and what it really comes down to is like, they just want to have a strong sense of ownership. Right now, our podcast I have a very strong sense of ownership because I'm a software engineer. I know how to manage the files. I know where to deploy them. I know how to host them. I, ha- I have full ownership over this baby, right? In the future, right. in the future, it's going to be very similar with, with all content creators. Now, th- not all co- content creators won't be software engineers. And so they won't understand like the bits and bytes flowing around, but they will know that like I have my home server or something like I have something that is mine and I have absolute authority over that thing. And like crypt- I can cryptographically prove it. And like one, one problem with, with digital media is um, piracy, right? So like you can pirate movies and mm-hmm. stuff like this. In the future, you'll be able to, I think there's going to be ways to basically stop all piracy. And, um, and you, you won't need a blockchain to do that, right? You don't need any of that stuff. So anyway... I think that the the overall thesis here for, for content creators is just empowering them to have a stronger sense of ownership because then that gives them more agency and then they're like, they feel more confident and then they're like, oh, I don't feel like I'm being robbed. I feel like I'm maximizing my my opportunity here. Like it's uh, it's just sort of naturally going to play out. And yeah, not, I mean, maybe, maybe there'll be some blockchain stuff in there maybe, but you know what the thing, there will certainly be Bitcoin in there. Let me put it that way. Like I, cer- <laughs> I certainly believe that Definitely. Bitcoin will be, will be associated with that. Yeah. 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 Uh, like with, with the, I'm going to have to jump off here in just a moment, but the piracy thing, I think we'd even go into a conversation about like deep fakes, you know, trying to prove what is the original mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. media that was actually put out. That will, I think that will turn into, that's an amazing probably point. a billion dollar industry yeah. is just proving that what I said on the podcast, this is what it was actually, even though I know you're listening to my voice say this other thing, this, th- I can verify that this is what was actually said. Yeah. That crypt- will be cryptographic proof, cryptographic proof. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then, um, 
Yeah, I think at some point we should probably uh, maybe next episode or some point down the road get into the gaming aspect because ever since I've bought this Oculus, I'm like, wow, the whole gaming aspect yeah. um, and how how you know earning money and and spending your time through all this is going to be so, just so interesting. So yeah, gaming, metaverse, play to earn, these types of things. Absolutely, let's do it. Cool. All right. Well, let's jump off um, from there. I think that was a good conversation. We'll pick it up next week. All right. See you guys next time.